This is how we overcome We're moving out Keep us up Reaching to the world Arms open Arms open Yeah This is how we practice Great Well, welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Erica. I'm Sarah. And I'm Steve. So, friends, we are in episode three of a series called Serendipitous Faith. Um, Our first two episodes were on the Bible. So, episode one being on serendipitous faith in the Old Testament, where we talked about some of those times where things, people weren't out looking for God or faith or to have an encounter with God. And it just sort of happened anyway. So we explored some of the stories like Abraham and the three visitors, um, or even Abraham's call story, um, Jacob, David, and building the house of God and how he was actually looking to do it. And God had to tell him, no, stop that. Don't do that. Um, And then our second episode was on the New Testament and We looked at some of the stories that involved Jesus, like the woman at the well, and some stories that Jesus, after the ascension into heaven, and how people still encountered God in unexpected ways. Um, So what are we going to explore today? Well, today we thought we would try and move from the realm of storytelling in the Bible and talk about, at least in our own experiences, what might be moments that people could identify as times of serendipitous faith. And again, that idea of times when you experience God's presence or hand or something like that, but you weren't looking for it. So different than the, I was really praying, God give me an answer on this. And the answer came, but like times when you were looking the other direction and you feel like God uh, got a hold of you, moved you or did something in your life. And you see God moments when you were surprised by them. Um, So hopefully if, if, if any of the things we ever had to say are useful, this one will be more practical in the sense of here's actual people living in the 21st century talking about, yeah, this is what it might have looked like in in our own lives. Um, and if 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 it helps, I'll I'll kick things off. Um, as as I think about moments in my life that feel like they are serendipitous faith, some sometimes I feel like my life is nothing but serendipity moments of like I had plan A and like um you know the, you you eventually look back at how things went and you go, huh, I wouldn't have planned it that way. But here I can see, you know, God's presence or or God being with me through that whole journey. So some days it's like, what isn't serendipitous faith or serendipitous uh, presence of God is a, is a easier question. Um, but um, these days when I look at my children, um, I think of them as a sign of serendipitous faith uh, at a couple of levels. Um, so I don't know if I've said this before on my, on my podcast, on the, the podcast, but um, uh, both of our children are, are adopted. Uh, and it, that's obvious to anybody who sees this because uh, my children have um, coffee brown skin. <laughs> and um, so it's obvious that we're a, a transracial uh, adoptive family. Um, but the way that came to be and the way these two particular children came to be my children, uh, is pretty serendipitous, um, because, um, I grew up in Ohio, um, and I, uh, planned on, um, you know, my, my whole life in, in my childhood and teenagehood, all, all, uh, lived in the state of Ohio. And when I went to college, happened to go to a school in uh, Pennsylvania. And, um, because it was at that time, I was also looking at going to seminary after college. Uh, I went through all my church candidacy stuff, 
not in the synod I'd grown up in, but uh, in Pennsylvania. I didn't realize exactly when I became a member of the church I was uh, going to in college that I was crossing all sorts of like polity lines in our in our church geography and was no longer going to be doing anything through the northeastern Ohio stuff, but through northwestern Pennsylvania. I mean, I wasn't even thinking those lines. I was just I want to go to seminary. I want to be a member of a church that I'm actually going to. So uh, when I went to to college, I joined the church, uh, the congregation where I was worshiping in Pennsylvania. That meant all my seminary in Canada see things uh, happened through Pennsylvania. And that meant when I graduated from seminary, my home synod that I got called back to then was in Pennsylvania. And so I was living in Pennsylvania, uh, serving my my uh, first two congregations that I was uh, call, uh, called to serve in a shared ministry. And that's where I lived. My wife and I lived. And as we were uh, considering adoption as a possibility for us, that meant all the circles that we were in put us in contact with possible uh, connections and networks in Western Pennsylvania. And so the two children who are our children are Pennsylvania natives. The two children who are our children are only our children because we happened to be there in Pennsylvania at the time, rather than my you know, life plan. If you would have asked 17 year old me, I would have picked, well, I'll live in Ohio because that's where I've always lived. Um, and so when I think about who my children are and why my children are my children, um, it has a great deal to do with um, what seemed to be a random choice when I was uh, back in high school or into college, uh, changing my membership of a congregation. And the backstory of that, too, was uh, at the time that I was going to college, my parents were um, leaving the congregation I had grown up in and looking for a new church family. So I didn't want to be just sort of a name on a roll somewhere. And so it was like, that that breaking point of my parents leaving the congregation I'd grown up in um, that radically changed the course of my life, not just where I ended up, but who my children are as well. And the complexion of my family and the things that matter or that I pay attention to have changed because of that small geographic uh, distance. And like so many times in life, you look back and you go, I can't imagine it differently. You're like, nope, this is how it goes. This is how my life story unfolds, even if it's not the you know, straight line I might have imagined at some earlier point in life. Um, and I, I guess like I, I can't help but see the presence of God in that as well. Not like in some way of like, um, oh, my children's personalities fit mine so perfectly that that's how I know we're meant. To, it's not it's not like that. You know, there there are ways that my my kids are different. They have different interests and skills and abilities uh, than I have. And so it's not like, oh, it's your sameness that makes you belong in this family. Um, but that I can see like, no, we've been brought together. And it's a what seemed like a random twist early on that led me to this place as well. Um, but so I guess that those are the kind of things I think of as like moments of serendipity where I can trace that line now looking backwards, but I certainly couldn't, couldn't have predicted it and certainly wasn't looking for it to go that way once upon a time. Thank you for sharing. I don't think I've ever heard that part of your life story before. I didn't even realize that you went to college in Pennsylvania. I assumed yeah. it was in Ohio. Yeah. So, And again, like, I, I don't think I realized how much that choice was changing the whole trajectory of my life. Because you met Sarah in high school, right? I did meet my wife in high school. Yep. So... She was part of the picture that sort of felt more like that's that's the plan I could have imagined. Like when we were when we mm -hmm. were dating in high school, there was this, OK, that 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 fits that that tracks. I could that seems reasonable for high school me to imagine her being a part of our new shared story. The, the rest of it became very, very much off script. 
So did you both go to the same college or? No, um, although we eventually ended up going to two colleges about 10 minutes apart from each other. And that's that's a conversation <laughs> that for one. a whole other day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that that kind of thing is, I guess, what I. I don't want to say I expect that kind of thing to happen now in my life, but more like that's changed even the way I think about what God's presence in a person's life looks like. So at, at no point in any of that was there like a voice from heaven going like, here's how it's supposed to go, Steve. And so at no point do I say like, ah, oh, God gave me this uh, clear direction of this is what it's supposed to be. You know, it, it wasn't like that. Um, and I, I guess it's even changed my theology of how I think God's involved in people's lives. I think there was a time when, because of the storytelling that we talked about in previous episodes, like Samuel getting a literal voice, and we sing hymns about those kind of stories, that I've heard you calling in the night thing, that it's easy to think, oh, that's how our stories go. When God's going to get involved, it'll be, you say, God, here I am, now talk to me, and then there's a very clear answer. And I don't think that anymore. I think God reserves the right to do that, but I sh I will not assume that's how you know God's acting. God can act in all sorts of other ways, too. And I guess that's also changed my perspective that God's action versus human action isn't an either or binary choice, that it's not like either this action or event is God doing it or it's people doing it, but that it is somehow possible human beings doing what human beings are choosing to do and willing to do. And also God can be moving at the same time. That that seems um, more true to me that like it, it can be a both and at the same time. How about either of you? What what are ways you've experienced serendipitous faith in your own life? So I I resonate with what you're saying there towards the end, Stephen, you know, not and how God just kind of shows up out of nowhere because my story happened um almost eleven years ago now. Eleven years this next spring. Um I was in a class in seminary. And I was going through a dark night of the soul. I had, my grandfather had passed in February and I had a friend um, pass probably about a month or so after that. She was young. She was 28. She had cancer, newly wed, had a toddler. Um, and it was just very unexpected. Back the night before she passed, I had a dream that she was going to share a testimony how God had healed her and how God had moved in her life through her cancer with our our uh, camping family and then i woke up the next day and saw all over facebook that she had lost her battle so i was struggling with that i was angry at god for some time which is interesting for a seminarian to be <laughs> you know studying about god you know doing god things every day and still being angry with god and so i was in this spiritual formation class and we were doing studies and i was doing a study on john chapter 10 um, the Good Shepherd passage. And I forget the, the whole study, like how it laid out, but we walked we walk through John 10. And at the end, I asked my classmates, I read Psalm 23. And, and this was a, a class where we did a lot of like praying in color that Sarah's talked about in the past, mm -hmm. things like that. And so I gave them like, you know, colored pencils and paper. And I said, okay, I'm going to read Psalm 23. And I want you to write draw whatever of how god has you know about abundant life in god through the words of psalm 23 so i read through the psalm drew some pictures myself and had ideas of kind of like how i was going to describe it and so i started describing these pictures i'd drawn to my group um i had 
you know, the the still waters and the green grass that the that David speaks at the beginning of the psalm, a, a communion cup overflowing, um, a broken heart being stitched up again, and we, he restores my soul. And the final picture I'm describing it, I drew a communion table. And I intended to say to my classmates, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Direct quote of the psalm. I said that. But with that came also these words, my enemy is death and he's been defeated. I, it was the Holy Spirit. Like I have no other way to explain it, to describe it. Those were not my words. That was not my intention of what I was going to say when describing that picture. And that was the beginning of my journey out of that dark night of the soul mm. that I had gone through. Um, and, and God just showed up in a mighty and amazing way when I was still very angry with him. Mm. Mm. It's, it's That's fantastic. I, I love those moments where words come out of your mouth that you never intend like, I know that that's happened to me in sermons before, which is why I try really hard not to have manuscript sermons because there's less room for the Holy Spirit to just spit something out of you. But yeah, I, I love that. That is, that is beautiful, Erica. So that is a moment that I, and I've used it in sermons. I, I've used it. Um, I have redrawn those pictures and put them up on a PowerPoint you know, to, mm. to describe it and everything. But that is like one of those, that is as much of a God moment for me mm. as my own calling was, mm. you know, um, even perhaps even more so because I was just su in such a place that, you know, I, I was not ready to hear from God and God knew that and spoke anyways. Mm. It's funny to hear you too, how you describe how um, the, the creativity, the artwork was a piece of that as well. Um, so uh, uh, it and it, this is so weird because like we we seriously we have not talked about this before recording either, um, but like here's serendipity upon serendipity. Um, so y you all haven't heard the story about my children and how they came into our lives just five minutes ago, and having heard Erica, you tell your story. So um, when we had lived in uh, Pennsylvania for about two years, we. Um, uh, moved into the our first house that we were renting. And there was a place in that house that had a big, tall, like top of the stairwell, this blank space. And I had said to my wife, uh, I think um, we should we should have some kind of painting that should go there. And so I got this real tall, long canvas and I painted this picture that at first was just like a landscape. And it was uh, sort of reminiscent in my mind of like the hill where the one church was and sort of this round hill and there's trees in the background, that kind of thing. And um in this this entirely fictitious painting, um, I had uh, one person sort of walking down the road, and then I painted a second figure as well um, that was inspired by another photograph that we'd taken years ago. Sarah and I had gone to visit my brother when he was living in London, England, and I happened to snap a picture at Trafalgar Square of um, this uh, uh, paved plaza where there's a bunch of pigeons and this little girl with dark brown skin and a purple dress and she was uh you know feeding the pigeons and i just took the picture even though it was, she was you know random total stranger but it was like the little girl feeding pigeons was this cool and like she was the only color against all the gray of the pigeons and the gray so we have this print of that photograph that i took and that that idea of that little girl in the purple dress i thought was so captivating i painted her in this you know fictional uh, fictitious painting 
as well. And so there's this picture of someone walking down the road in this little girl in a purple dress, brown skin, um, pointing in this in this picture of pointing at purple flowers. And in the back of my mind, there's echoes of that um, the novel, uh, The Color Purple by Alice Walker, uh, if you know where that that quote comes from. But um, so our daughter Anna then later on saw this painting, and th I painted this. It would have been in 2008, five years before she was born. <laughs> um, but um, as she's gotten older, she would look at that painting and go, oh, that's me and that's you and I'm walking to you. Um, and it's like, well, I didn't intend it that way, but now it that's how that is. That Okay, that's that's what that is now. Um, and again, like it's, I had no intention when I was painting it of like, oh, this will be a, a child who will be born years from now. Um, but eventually that's how it became. Um, um, and again, like I, there was no divine voice saying this is what you have to do or you should yeah. paint. Like, it, like there's, there's no voices, there's no miracle, there's no, and yet, like, I have no other good phrase for it, but serendipitous faith. I, I love the slowing down that is needed in creating artwork mm -hmm. to like actually having something in your hand and putting it on some sort of paper or canvas to, to make intentional marks <laughs> that slowing down um i i think is helpful in leaving space for the holy spirit to maybe do something that we weren't intending um instead of um always moving quite so quickly as we tend to want to do yeah yeah how about for you sarah what have been moments of serendipitous faith in your own life so the one that I, I keep thinking about as as I listen to you all talk, um, thinking through my own life of slowing down in times that I've not slowed down and yet something good has happened from it, from that not slowing down. Um, I grew up very conservative. Um, I grew up very strongly influenced by my Southern Baptist grandparents. And as a result, there was a long time in my growing up years and young adulthood even where the the books that I tended to consume were inspirational romance and you know so they they all had like very like even though the romance was the main thread of the story there was lots of other things happening to kind of hopefully push readers towards if they hadn't already accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Like that would be an awesome benefit of reading this book was the intention. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got a lot of those messages of um, like, oh, when you're facing a big moment in your life, you need to stop and you need to pray and wait and listen for God's guidance before moving forward in either direction. You need to stop and like, and usually this advice was given like when somebody was like, oh, I have two men that I could potentially marry. Which one should I marry? Because somehow I'm in this place where both of them are proposing marriage to me. And one of them's obviously the good guy, but one of them's rich. And like, so anyway, you stop for a minute and you pray about who God actually wants you to marry. Um, and But like, because that was the message that I received for a long, long time, I, I always kind of expected that before big things that would impact my life for years to come, there would be a moment when I would be able to take a step back and pray about like, is this what you want me to do, God? 
-hmm. Like I expect that that moment to exist, but it doesn't always exist. So Mm -hmm. case in point is how I joined this podcast, (laughs) which um, I recorded my first episode on October 1st in 2018. That's not the air date, but that's the date that I first recorded an episode. And I know this because it was my start date to a call. Uh, It was my very first day at work. Like I had arrived at church and I like had maybe taken a box of books and I had like met a couple of people and I got an email from my senior pastor saying, hey, this afternoon, there's a bunch of local clergy having lunch together at um the IUP student Lutheran student center which was part of my call like it was one of the points so you should go and eat me and Marie get your key to this building and go and eat lunch with these pastors like you should do that like and I was like all right I guess I will do that I have my lunch packed anyway because I don't live close to these buildings so I'll go and do that. And so both Steve and Erica were members of this clergy group eating lunch. And they were, and I was fully prepared. I was like, I think I'm supposed to lock up because the secretary has left. And um, so I'm, I think I'm supposed to lock up. But then Steve is all like, hey, nope, we're going to, the two of us, we're going to stay and we're going to record a podcast. It's on um, some women of the Bible who like... I think the phrase you used was kick ass, <laughs> but I don't remember. It was something like that. And and you were like, do you want to join us maybe? And that was one of my favorite topics in school. So I was like, yes, I do. Like, I don't have any concrete plans for after this. Yes, I'll stay and chat with you. And, um, and then there was just sort of this assumption that I would continue. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that that's fine. This is these are good conversations. This is a way to keep on top of broadening my faith and um, like making sure I'm reading things outside of just preparing for sermons. Um, So like, it's been a very important cornerstone of my ministry for like personal growth. Um, All because I just kept quickly saying yes to things on my first day of work. Nice. Nice. Um, so I'm curious, do you have regrets about saying yes now that it's been five years you've been stuck in this podcast? <laughs> no. No, it was a bit dicey in like March and April of 2020 as we were figuring out how to do pandemic Mm-hmm. like not in the same room recording yeah. but that ended up being a very helpful thing in the long run as now all three of us have accepted calls away from indiana pennsylvania yeah. um yeah. which is where we met and we could just like meet up in indiana and it was fine um so having to figure out the pandemic actually made it so that we could continue this podcast after we accepted new calls so yeah. Even though that was annoying and frustrating, I think in the long run, it was very nice. Yeah, yeah. Because as I think about it, when when this, when the first iteration and incarnation of Crazy Faith Talk began, there is another pastor who's no longer a part of this, uh, the three of us, who was local to the area in Western Pennsylvania in Indiana County. And when he left to take another call elsewhere, he 
he thought, well, I guess I can't be a part of this podcast anymore, so I'm leaving and bequeathed the microphone so that Eric and I could continue on. But yeah, and then we just figured out, well, what what if we can find a way to keep recording even if we're not all in the same place? So yeah, it, it's funny how uh, for all the rottenness that was the pandemic, it allowed this to continue. So there's serendipity upon serendipity again, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. I I think what's what's emerging to me as I hear each of these stories, and by no means are we saying these are the only kinds of things that serendipitous faith might look like in your own life, but that it's that interplay of things that look so small and trivial in the moment, but they can have profound effects later on. Um, and I guess what that tells me is that there's no recipe for how to make a serendipitous faith moment happen. There's no, it's not only the, like, like you pointed out earlier, say not only the moments of big decision that you, I should pray on this one, this is an obvious one, but sometimes it's the little things that lead you in a particular direction that you don't realize you're crossing the Rubicon at that moment. You don't realize there's, there's sort of a watershed moment for you there. um, And that, that those things, you know, change the course of our lives or greatly impact our lives or, what words are things that we didn't have before then, like like you were sharing, Erica? Are there other things that uh, any of you would think would be helpful for people listening and are thinking about how how then do I recognize a serendipitous moment of God in my life if it doesn't announce itself with angel trumpets or you know light or parted clouds? How do I know what's just random coincidence and what's a a, a God moment? Um, or is it important to know the difference? Do I have to know it in the moment? I don't think you can know it in the moment. Ah, okay. Like, I think, yeah. I think a lot of it is hindsight. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think from my story, I, I kind of felt it in the moment, but the more, you know, as I pulled away from that, that moment in time and like, look back on it, it became, it had more impact. So I'm with Sarah. I think, you know, find, finding these serendipitous moments is like 2020 vision, you know, or hindsight, you know, being 2020. It's just, you might not see it in the moment, you know, see when you were painting that picture, you know, or when you took the picture in London before you painted the picture. Yeah. Yeah. I just you think pigeons are cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I, I, want to ask uh, a devil's advocate question. And I, I asked this not really knowing what will come of, of putting this out into the world. Um, I am wondering if there are any guardrails you would put up to avoid making the the error maybe of things click coincidentally in a moment and I go, oh, that must have been God who made this coincidence happen. And then it turns out that something terrible happens. You know, like mm-hmm. um, there are times when somebody has one of those meet cute, you know, moments where they meet somebody, they have a delightful romance or something like that. And they might go, oh, this was one of those serendipitous faith moments because I wasn't looking for you know a romance and I fall in love and we got married. But that sometimes goes terribly, you know, the, the marriage ends or there's, there's abuse. Or, and, and again, just cause you have a cool co- you know, coincidence moment, that's not a guarantee that God's behind it, but also, um, I, I, what, what, how do you, how do you, how do you deal with those kinds of things? Or when people are just at the point of this cool thing happened, I bet it's God. How do you, how do you speak to that pastorally? So 
I, I was wrestling with telling another story, but like part of the other story is I'm still unsure if it's was a God moment or just a really <laughs> cool coincidence. Oh. Um, and so I was going to share that story because I think it's a really cool story. But at the same time, I still don't know if it is mm-hmm. if it was a God moment or just a really cool coincidence and a really good story. And but I think that's OK. Yeah, I don't okay. I think it's okay that I don't know yeah. um and uh part of I, the reason I shared the other story of meeting you all and joining this podcast is because especially that moment it's still like it still has long-term lasting effects in yeah. my life whereas yeah. my other story just um long story short I said yes to doing a pulpit supply on Christmas Eve because it was easier to do the pulpit supply myself than try to find another pastor to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a four o'clock service. So I had plenty of time before my seven or eight o'clock service. And so I had time. So I did it. And it was for a congregation of five people. Mm -hmm. So very small, but like they needed to have at least one more Christmas Eve in their building together as a Mm -hmm. church family. Um, And so I agreed to it. Um, and so it was one of those things that I was supposed to buy a bottle of hand soap to bring to my church to make sure we had plenty of hand soap for mm-hmm. the Christmas Eve service. And I had forgotten about it till the day of Christmas Eve. I don't like to go shopping on Christmas Eve because I really wish that all of those people who were working could not be working (laughs) on what is probably an important holiday, whether you're Christian or secular. Um, So I was not looking forward to going to the store. I went to this four o'clock service that I was pulpit supplying and they gave me a bottle of hand soap as part of my thank you. (laughs) Like it was a really nice, like uh, body works, like Mm -hmm. foaming Mm -hmm. scented hand soap. And they gave it to me and I was just like, oh, like now I don't have to go to the store (laughs) and I get to go and take this and put it in my like the church bathroom. Um, And like, yay, like I'm so excited. Um, And yeah, it was a really cool coincidence. I still don't know whether or not it was a God moment. And that's again, I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we have to be able to point at every single moment in our life and be able to decide not a God moment, God moment, coincidence. Um, I don't think we have to completely categorize our lives in, in that way. I mean, I do think that we should be keeping our eyes open and reflecting back on our lives so that we can hopefully see God active in our lives. But I don't know. I don't, I think it's okay if you can't do that with every moment this reminds me a little bit of that story um about the zen master uh, from the movie uh, charlie wilson's war do you know that story where um the uh story where a boy gets a horse for his birthday and everybody else in town goes oh how wonderful and the zen master goes we'll see and the boy's riding his horse and he falls off and breaks his leg and everybody else in town goes oh how sad and the zen master goes we'll see and then a war breaks out and uh all the young men of the village are supposed to be sent off to war and the young man with a broken leg can't go because he's got a broken leg and everybody goes oh how good for you and the zen master goes 
we'll see. Uh, the, the point of which being like the, the goodness or badness of an event isn't sort of like defined or baked in yet even when it's done because uh, we're all part of an ongoing chain of events. And I realize that's sort of more of a Buddhist mentality um, about maybe how ambiguous good and bad can sometimes be, at least in terms of events. Um, but I think there's at least a connecting point for us out of the Christian faith that when an event happens, instead of, oh, in this moment of the story, it looks good, therefore it was a good thing, and therefore it was God, no, maybe we should reserve judgment and vice versa. When something bad has happened, not to go, oh, that's automatically, God can't be in this because the bad thing happened. Um, but how many of the stories in scripture are those, well, it depends on at what point in the narrative we're talking about. You know, Joseph gets sold into slavery and things get worse, he ends up in prison, and by the end can say, well, look, God allowed in all this for me to be in a position of authority to save my family when the famine comes. Um, but all throughout that, uh, there's a lot of, lot of bad moments along the way and unpleasantness. And for that matter, because he saves his family, they end up enslaved for 400 years <laughs> within another generation or two. So like even the goodness or badness of any one of those moments is a little more uh, ambiguous. And I, I guess maybe owning that, that life is like that instead of you live through something, you have to automatically stamp it as, was this a God moment or was this a, not a, a God moment? We don't have to, maybe. So in the course of these couple of weeks, we've done a whirlwind look at Old Testament stories, New Testament stories, and some of our own stories for where you might discover God when you weren't expecting God. Um, we're going to be starting a new series starting next week, and we invite you to join us here next time here on Crazy Faith Talk. See y'all. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.